Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Charlotte Hornets fan, it is I, Darian Thomas, the host of the Believe in Hornets podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network, and we've had a doozy. Uh, the NBA draft has concluded. Hornets selected Brandon Miller, regardless of how you feel about that, we're going to be talking about that. And we're also going to be talking about free agency. I uh, don't want to wait until free agency to kind of release this episode. We're going to be talking about it now. And then if anything crazy during happens during free agency, I will make sure that we end up talking about it, even if I have to do a surprise pod or whatever, whatever kind of pod it is. Uh, sorry for the late episode. Uh, my wife and I, we got married June 24th of last year. So therefore, our anniversary is right around uh, draft time every single year. Something I didn't think about, but it's OK. I mean, you know, she understands. So, you know, I do my little draft content or whatever before we leave. And then we end up leaving like last year. I remember I started like my YouTube channel and then but I didn't think it through. So then we went on our honeymoon. There was just so much stuff happening that I didn't even get to talk about it. Uh, not till later, just because of the fact there was some stuff she let me record while we were out there. But, you know, overall, it is what it is. She understands. So therefore, I hope you understand. But anyway, like I said, the Charlotte Hornets had a heck of a draft. I, I personally believe, you know, they took Brandon Miller at two and we're about to break that down. Um, I just want to say that. Yes, they, the Hornets selected Brandon Miller. All the what Woj kind of said it was Brandon Miller all along. We come to find out Mitch Kupchak kind of says it was Brandon Miller all along. And I don't blame them. When you look at the players objectively, not knowing what, like not looking at stats. If I were just to tell you these two players, not tell you their names. If we're go, we're talking about Brandon Miller and I say it's a 6'9 wing who can play make has high defensive upside, can shoot the lights out the gym, a very efficient score, three level score, uh, had, you know, showed, struggled in the beginning of the college season with finishing at the rim. And then as time went on, you saw that he got better and better and better at it. And then I tell you that he may, may have flailed out in the NCAA tournament, but was SEC player of the year, SEC freshman of the year, probably one of the better pure score, like just pure scores in the NBA draft. And then I told you the person they're trying to choose between is a six, four. Cause I thought, I believe that was scoots measurements before then. Uh, before, well, that was scoots measurements after I know for a long time, they said he was six, two, but I think it came out that he was six, four. You got a six, four, extremely, extremely athletic dog or athletic guard who has that dog in him. Uh, he does need to work on his shooting. It, it, nothing's wrong with his jump shot. It's just not hitting. Um, I think that he attacked the basket very well. Uh, the G League Ignite, or I would probably say in this scenario, say, yeah, his team, they kind of clouded the paint. So therefore, the paint really wasn't available for him to really uh, be able to, you know, finish at the rim. His assist numbers could have been better. He didn't really have that much shooting around him. Uh, he can play either guard spot. He can play on ball. He can play off ball, even though he's predominantly off ball. 
he has defensive potential as well. He does give effort on that side of the ball. It's just, you know, his height kind of limits him to, to some extent. And also he missed a lot of games. I don't think he was actually injured. I think a lot of it was just preserving himself, but he didn't miss a lot of games, you know, compared that to Brandon Miller's, you know, not showing up in the tournament. What player would you pick? And I think a lot of us would choose Brandon Miller without knowing it's Brandon Miller. If I just told you the archetypes, I would have chose Brandon Miller. You're telling me a six nine wing for the Charlotte Hornets that can shoot something we need desperately, uh, kind of like a connector playmaker, something we need desperately. Miles Bridges does that to an extent. I think that's something that's not thought about enough that Miles Bridges is actually not that bad of a passer. Um, but yeah, I, I add, add in Brandon Miller to that. I think I would have chose him. I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. Even though I was a fan of Scoot, I came on here and said I wanted Scoot. I came on here and said Scoot was a better player. And I still believe that. Uh, but I'm not going to go against Brandon Miller. That's our guy now. You know, just because I didn't want him, it doesn't mean that I was, oh, this guy is the worst. Like, if we were picking three, I probably would have had him. I probably would have said Brandon Miller. Maybe thought about Min Thompson. I think Min Thompson, if he figures out the jump shot, he could be one of the best players in the draft, if not the best. But that's a topic for another day. I, you're free to horns. You don't want to go too much on upside just because of the fact that you are ready for your team to start winning. And Brandon Miller directly does everything you want him to do. Everything that the Charlotte Hornets, and I've said this on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at TrustBuzz, T-R-U-Z-Z-B-U-Z-Z on Twitter. But I've said this, everything that the Charlotte Hornets need help with, Brandon Miller can help with that this year. Now, him helping with those particular stats or those particular areas, will that automatically lead to wins? No, I think it would kind of be foolish to think so, but it makes your team better in every category that the Charlotte Hornets desperately needed, which was like additional playmaking rebounding to an extent shooting, which is something he can do. I mean, in defense, he does it all. Like I said, I don't, I'm not saying that Brandon Miller can automatically just change the team around or change those areas around for the team first year. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he, he directly impacts a lot of areas that the Charlotte Hornets struggle with. And I, and I think that's something you can't ignore. I think that's something you can't ignore. Scoot was a luxury. And like I said, I still want Scoot. I thought like I, I still think Scoot is the better player, but he definitely would have been a luxury. We don't necessarily need outside of the, I wouldn't even say rim pressure, but outside of the, you know, finishing at the rim, even though he still struggled with that to an extent, I, I mean, outside of that, there's really nothing he did that we directly needed, even though I just believed he had the higher upside. The thing with Brandon Miller is at worst, he is a cat. Now, you're not looking to draft a catch and shoot guy, too. Let me say that first. But at worst, he's a, cat, a very efficient catch and shoot type of player. And considering the team, I mean, that you're not really mad at that. He's a six, nine guard that can, you know, do pick and pop with LaMelo or pick and pop with Miles because we know Miles likes to attack from the perimeter. It's just there's a lot of interesting things that can happen here. So I just find it very, very interesting. Um, I've, like I said, I, it's hard to decide who between the two. I know, you know, everybody wanted Scoop, but we got to support Brandon Miller. He's on a team now. Support him. I think he's going to be a very good player. I've said this before. Even though I wanted Scoot, I think Brandon Miller is going to be a very good player. Wouldn't have been it. I'll say this. It felt wrong passing on either one. 
to be honest. I think it I felt really it was really hard to realize we passed up on Scoot. But if we got Scoot, I think it wouldn't have been as hard, but I definitely would have been like, oh, man, I don't know if we passed out and just wanted a better shooting prospects we've seen in a minute. That kind of would have been my thought. So it, it it wouldn't have felt right either way. I will say it just maybe feels a little more wrong uh, that considering we passed up on Scoot and we've been here for two years that he's this, you know, transcendent talent is this this just generational talent. I don't know, man. It, it, it's very interesting. But there were other players. There was, in fact, three other players that Charlotte Hornets drafted. And I think that that helps with the Brandon Miller pick. I said on Twitter once again. If the Hornets let Brandon Miller at two, the rest, and I might have said it on here, but if the Hornets let Brandon Miller at two, the rest of the draft really matters. I think if you got Scoot, you you know, you maybe look for some guys that can shoot a little bit, but that's kind of all you're focusing on. Once you get someone that directly impacts things you struggle with as a team, what are your next steps? Because this one guy, I think, helps in a lot of areas. Maybe except finishing at the rim. Maybe. So what does the rest of your draft looks like? Well, I'm going to tell you because Mitch Kupchak thought of that. And he brings in Nick Smith Jr. who at 27, who was a guy I did a video on maybe a few months ago. Um, and I was just using the tankathon and I would just simulate and then just kind of deal with the hand I was dealt uh, and just kind of like kind of do a mock draft through that. And at one point, this was earlier in the college basketball season, but we landed with Nick Smith Jr. And I was like, and I think at the time we landed on seven. So we were like the seventh pick or whatever. I was okay with taking Nick Smith Jr. at seven. I felt like he's a guy who can play extremely well off ball. He does not need the ball in his hand. He moves without the ball. He cuts. Um, he goes, he uses screens well. That's something that the Charlotte Hornets need. I, I've said this time and time again. Terry Rozier, one of his best years, if not his best year, with the Charlotte Hornets was him coming off screens and moving off ball. He was one of the more efficient, according to what what uh, website is that? I think Basketball Index, because I've looked this up. According to Basketball Index, if you look at Terry Rozier's numbers in the 2021-2022 season, Terry Rozier had, was one of the better off-ball movers in the league. In the league. He was in the, like upper echelon percentile that's what nick smith jr does he does that exactly um he can shoot which is something that scoot can't do and i'm not saying those are the two same players i'm not saying that at all all i'm saying is that the hornets were trying to be like okay look we're sorry that we couldn't get you scoot we just didn't feel like it was the right decision here is another guy that kind of simulates that to an extent i think i think nick smith jr is like fast he's like one of the fastest players in the in the actual draft in my opinion when healthy which he says he's currently healthy right now and that health won't be an issue for him but i i mean he gets downhill quick he's 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 very active on defense i mean he starts fast breaks and we know the charlotte horn is like to run like i said he can catch and shoot he can pull up and shoot he's not necessarily this sharp shooter but shooting 34 to 37 percent 38 percent i'm taking it any day of the week so that's something nick smith jr is able to do um i like i said he doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hand even though he does play well with the ball in his hand that's just not quite his thing he doesn't necessarily need it all the time i think he is best when you know moving off screens and and 
coming off ball and things like that. And while he's not this person that's going to take the ball directly to the rim every single time, he does have to like this little floater um, and then you know, like these layup packages and it and it goes in. It works. If that he finishes it through traffic, I know. I think he he may need to add like a little muscle. I wouldn't necessarily say weight, even though you know usually muscle adds a little weight. I think he needs to add a little muscle, but the way he's able to finish at the rim with his floater, with his layups, I think that's enough. I think that's enough. You add Miles Bridges, you add in whatever rookie we, I'm not rookie, but whatever free agent we may get, which that's something we're going to talk about later. I, I just like it. I like it. I, I like that pick. I mean, like I said, I think this guy, I was okay with this guy at seven a few months ago. And I, and a lot of people were, he, he came in and it was like, uh, Victor Wiminyama, Scoot Henderson, Cam Whitmore, and then Nick Smith Jr. was kind of like that fourth, fifth guy. And then you had like the Thompson twins and so on and so forth. So for him to fall to 27, I think a lot of it was because of injury. He dealt with a lot of injuries at Arkansas. Which Arkansas was a stacked team. I, I can't believe, I can't even fathom how stacked that team was. If Trayvon Brazil didn't get hurt, I think that team really could have went even further than they did in the NCAA tournament. But that's a topic for another day. But that was a very stacked team. And he came in, you know, supposed to be like the guy and kind of really just came back from injury and kind of never was really the same. And I think if he sat out, he probably would have went lottery. I honestly believe that if he just if he just played his couple of games and then just sat out, he probably would have went lottery. I think him coming back and just not looking quite right was a big indicator to teams that, hey, this guy is not fully healthy. We don't want to worry about that. And I know teams do their due diligence, but it was just kind of like we saw Ken Whitmore medicals go down. This is an investment. Like, I know we watch basketball for entertainment, but for a lot of these teams, this is an investment. You're, you're you know, you're, you're drafting a player, you know, you're picking him over other players. What can they do for you and so a lot of teams were just scared i think the hornets you really don't have a, i wouldn't say you don't have a choice but there's you don't really what are you afraid of i mean you've already made your picks i mean james book Knight is looking at kai jones is looking at i mean you already drafted brandon miller who i think is a sure thing but i'm not saying a sure thing as in a star i'm just saying sure thing as a quality nba player who will always be on a team I, that's kind of more so what i'm saying uh i, I think you had to take the risk Two was too early to take a risk. 27 with the guy who was looked at as like the fourth, fifth best prospect coming in college basketball season. You're not mad at that. You're not mad at that at all. And with the next pick at 31, they traded up. They traded 34 and 39 to get James Nagy, which I didn't think they were going to use all the picks anyway. I'm surprised they used as many as they did. But anyway, like I said, they took 34 and 39 to trade up to 31 to take James Nagy from Barcelona. I think James Nagy is a phenomenal prospect. I think he is a great prospect. I think this was a great pick. This is a guy that a lot of people had going 19. When did the Warriors pick? 19. I think a lot of people had him going 19 because he's the guy that, for the Warriors specifically, you wouldn't necessarily need him to be your starter right away, but he's the pure, the pure physical gifts that he had is going to be enough to kind of have you have him as a big man. Um, he can rebound. He can guard the, he can guard the uh, rim. He's, he's an excellent shot blocker. I, he plays defense all around, like on-ball defense, off-ball defense, guard the pay. He does it all defensively, and it's just pure athleticism and pure just dominance at this point. It's not – I think his basketball IQ has a ways to go. And it's not even like Kai Jones in a way, because I think I think James Nagy is further along now than Kai Jones is now. And, I mean, I, we can talk about that too. But – 
James Naji, he knows exactly what type of player he is. I am a rim protector. That's the thing. He does not shoot. But he's like, I am a rim protector. I can run the floor. I move without the ball. I sit in a dunker spot. I'm strong. I'm lengthy. I mean, I don't know what else you want from a what, 18, 19 year old. He's been playing uh, professional ball for a while over there in Europe. I, I mean, he has all the tools. He has all the tools. He has a little bit of professionalism with him just because of the fact that, like I said, he's been playing your uh, Euro basket. I just think this guy is a phenomenal player. I, like I said, people had him going in the first round. And I will admit that some of that is because of the lack of center prospects in this draft. But a guy like him, like I said, can run the floor, protect the rim. I think he's more the Hornets picked him because that's a guy you can develop. You don't need him right now because you have Kai Jones, because you have Nick Richards. But Nick Richards is on is on such a team friendly contract that if James Najee just shoots up like he's playing in summer league this year, I believe I want to say I don't know if the Charlotte Hornets are buying him out of his contract, but if they are, he'll be in a G League. If he just dominates and then they're like, oh, we don't really have a need necessarily for. Nick Richards, let's trade Nick Richards, put in James Najee. I, I don't think you're mad at that. He does a lot of things Nick Richards does. I think he's more aggressive, which is one of my biggest issues with Nick Richards in the past is that I just felt like he was kind of soft. James Najee is the opposite of that. So I think that in the deal's three years with Nick Richards. It's three, three years. So you have plenty of time. James Najee is 18, 19 years old. You have plenty of time for James Najee kind of hit that. Whatever that whatever your mark is for James Najee, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, if you're the organ, you know, the organization, the coaches, the training staff, all that, whatever your mark is, you have three years for him to hit that. Well, I mean, roughly because of his deal, I think it's on what two years. Cause he's an undrafted rookie. I don't remember, but either way you have time is my point. And like I said, Nick, Nick Richards is on such a team friendly deal. As soon as you feel confident in James Najee, you can ship Nick Richards because I think he would have made a lot more money in the open market than he did by resigning with the Charlotte Hornets. I truly do I think he I think he showed last year he can be a you know guy that comes off the bench that gets to you a lot of offensive boards specifically, which is something that a lot of teams are prioritizing now more and more and more. I, I just think that he would have just made more money. So be him being on a, such a team friendly deal. I can think there's a couple of teams right now that could use. I mean, the Warriors is one of them. The Clippers is one of them. I, I just some other teams that could use a guy like Nick Richards for especially his kind of salary. I, I think you're going to find what you get back in return. I have no idea. We're not here to talk about that, but you you could get something. But the point is that James Najee would be ready. And I think he can be, man. I, like I said, I think he's further now than Kai Jones is now. He knows exactly what role he's going to be he doesn't try to be anything else maybe you want to see him develop a little corner three but i think mark williams is working on that as well so i mean eh, i'm not really too worried about it but a guy that is just going to hit you in the mouth he just plays extremely physical he plays all heart all motor i mean you add even a little bit of basketball iq to that a little bit of basketball knowledge just a little bit of Having him learn the nuances of the game of just, okay, what what kind of screens can I get away with and are kind of illegal, but, it, you know, mellow gets wide open if I do it. Just little things like that. If he could learn that, but from the NBA perspective, this guy's going to be a problem. I'm not saying all defense or anything like that, but it's going to be a guy that teams are going to want. It's going to be a guy like how Isaiah Hartenstein was last year. Nas Reed was this year, just high, t- highly touted centers. James Nigel could be that. It is going to take time. But I truly believe he can be that. 
And with the last pick at 34, the Charlotte Hornets, no, at 41, I'm sorry. They traded 34 and 39. But at the last pick at 41, the Charlotte Hornets selected Amari Bailey from UCLA. Um, I know a lot of people are going to talk about Amari Bailey's mom. Let's not. Let's not. Let's focus on basketball here. Amari Bailey is a guard, a point guard from UCLA. As I mentioned, he went to Sierra Canyon. I think he played with LeBron, well, Bronny. Um, I think he's a good player at, at 41. I'm not mad at it. I, I, Ryan Rupert was still there, who was, you know, a very perimeter defense centric wing. A little, he can add a little playmaking. He needs to learn how to shoot on his own, right? But he was there. Gigi Jackson was there. A couple of guys that I kind of would rather have just because at 41, let's go ahead and take the risk. But if you're looking to add to what the Charlotte Hornets need, I think he does that. I think he showed this is an upside pick still even by drafting him because of the fact that at UCLA, his whole time at UCLA, he was this one player. He was like, oh, he's this guy. You know, he needs the ball. He's going to, you know, create for himself. He can kind of pass a little bit. He's not really, you know, a team. He's not going to officiate uh, or uh, what is it? I'm, I'm missing the word, but he's not a floor general. It's just going to be, he's not going to initiate the offense. This is what I meant to say. Uh, but yeah, he's not this floor general type of guy. He's just kind of there. He's not bad. He's He holds his own, but he's just kind of there. Doesn't really jump out at the screen at you. Then Jalen Clark got hurt, unfortunately, but Jalen Clark got hurt, who was a, a guy who, you know, was their point of attack defender, their playmaker. He was kind of like the leader of that team, even though he didn't, he does not have the scoring ability that Amari Bailey does, in my opinion, but he was a guy that was the leader of the team. He gets injured. Amari Bailey takes over. And I think in the tournament average, like 16, five and four or four, five, something like that with very efficient shooting from three, which is something that he typically didn't do throughout the season in UCLA. Um, also, I forgot to even mention Jaime Jaquez, who was drafted the 18th overall by the Miami Heat. He was also like a big initiator for that offense. He was like the kind of like the main guy. I'm just saying like guard wise, it was, it was Jalen Clark. I just want to clarify that, but yeah, I think that, Amari Bailey just showed that he just completely transformed into this player that no one thought he was. And then he continued that going into the draft combine. So I can definitely see why the Charlotte Hornets were interested in him. He's a guy that he can also, he's not this guy. I'm going to take it to the basket and dunk on somebody or anything like that. But he, he's a little crafty. He's able to get to the rim. He's able to score. He's able to finish. He needs to be able to finish through contact a little better. But I mean, he's shown that he can finish. He's shown that he can get to the rim with a lot of players getting to the rim to me is the hard part. You can find a way to get to the rim. We can work on your touch. We can work on kind of moves and just, you know, doing drills to help you be able to finish at the rim. It may take time. It's not easy. I'm not saying that, but it can be done. Getting learning how to get to the rim and knowing what moves to do and stuff like that. That's kind of where I'm more so concerned. And Amari Bailey can do that. Nick Smith Jr. can do that. LaMelo Ball can do that. Like, I know that we always get on LaMelo. He doesn't finish, but I think that a lot of that he doesn't want to get injured. And I don't blame him. Like, freak accidents keep happening to him. And I think, like, some of them has happened to him attacking the, attacking the rim. So, I can see it. But, yeah, Amari Bailey, just the way he was able to just get better over the season uh, – better throughout the season, better when the draft combine came, better. He just got better. I think you're the Charlotte Hornets and you see that and you're like, wow, this guy can be the backup point guard of the future because now he's way much, you know, more known. I wouldn't say even known just because it, I mean, it's only what the tournament and the draft combine, but it's just what he's, his playmaking ability has been put, putting people on notice. 
Um, like I said, he does handle the ball well in his hand. Um, he's able to get to the basket. Uh, he's shown that he can shoot a little bit more than we originally thought. I, overall, I, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I think you need a backup point guard, and this can be your permanent solution. Maybe even, and I think he's on a two-way already, so maybe even bring back Dennis Smith Jr. and just have Amari Bailey kind of wait that out. Because even if you bring back Dennis Smith Jr., what, you may a year, maybe two, I think that'll be it for him. And then you can bring in Amari Bailey, who is someone who can defend the perimeter pretty well. He is not Dennis Smith Jr. with that, but I think that you're willing to drop a little bit of the defense for uh, upgrading offense. And this is two, three years down the line. We're not talking this year or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm very interested to know what your thoughts are. So, like I said, reach out to me on Twitter, T-R-U-Z-Z-B-U-Z-Z, Trust Buzz. And I'll be, I mean, I love to talk hoops. I love to talk Charlotte Hornets basketball, of course. So, yeah, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. I, I really do because... Y'all help me understand, you know, kind of what the fans want. And that's all I'm trying to do is just be a host of the people. All right. So for our next segment, we're going to talk about um, the ESPN article by Bobby Marks, which I think it was ESPN plus, And hopefully I don't get in trouble for this, but I'm just going to read the segment about basically the way he broke it up was here are the tiers of free agents based on the teams and their cap space. And I'm not just going to like read you the article or anything like that. I'm just going to talk about a few names that kind of stood out to me. Um, and then we just can go from there and just talk about potential guys that a Hornets could look at in free agency. Uh, I mean, this name, this group of names is not these outstanding names or anything like that. It's just, hey, these guys could come in and help the team to an extent. And then also we'll talk about kind of like P.J. Washington and then, uh, yeah, and then we can wrap it up. So. Moving on, talking about the free agent. So Bobby Marks has guys like in the tier that Charlotte Hornets can afford as of right now is Gabe Vincent, Russell Westbrook, Kobe White, Trey Jones, Ayo Desumu, Talon Horn Tucker, Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., Alex Burks, Alec Burks, Seth Curry, Max Strews, Dante DiVincenzo, Cam Reddish, Josh Richardson, Lonnie Walker IV, Malik Beasley, uh, Amidou Diallo, Batiste Steibel, Kelly Oubre, of course, Joe Ingles, Najee Marshall, Georges Niang, Christian Wood, Trey Lyles, Paul Reed, Jalen McDaniels, uh, Xavier Tillman, which I think he just picked up his option, so he's not available, or the team picked up his option, so therefore he's not available. Jackson Hayes and bring back Mason Plumley, which honestly... Mason Plumley has a third guard, a, a third guard, geez, <laughs> point Mays, uh, point Plumley, but Mason Plumley as a third center is not bad at all. Actually, I mean, even him as a backup center wouldn't have made me mad. But there's some names. There are some names in this list. None of them can shoot, except except Seth Curry. So then you that leaves you what Dennis Smith Jr. I, here I'll say the realistic ones, and then I'll talk about some guys that I kind of like. I would hope. So realistically, Dennis Smith Jr. I think he will come back. I think if the Charlotte Horn, I think if the Charlotte Hornets want DSJ back, DSJ will be back. I, I truly believe that. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, Kelly Oubre. I know some people are kind of, and I know Rod Boone, I believe, came out with an article today for the Charlotte, Charlotte Observer saying that, you know, Kelly Brick could be the odd man out, but he is someone they could bring back. Jalen McDaniels, they could look to go grab, even because I do believe that I the 76ers, if a certain amount of money is offered for Jalen McDaniels, they won't bring him back. They had a chance to really use him last year, and they really didn't uh, when it came to the playoffs. So I'm not, I, I don't think he'll be back. Trey Jones can't shoot. 
Uh, Kobe White, I mean, could he come back to North Carolina? I doubt it. Uh, Patrick Beverly, no. Uh, I mean, that's really it. Like, I mean, it's Seth Seth Curry uh, obviously is an option to come to come to Charlotte. I, I, we've seen him talk about it uh, recently. He was just saying he's interested. He's saying that you'll always be interested to go to your hometown. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like some people always take that out of context. And like, oh, they're definitely coming to wherever they're from or anything like that. I don't think that's quite true. I do agree with him. Like if you're home, if your hometown's a certain place, you're always going to think about playing for your hometown. It's just, is, is, is the time always right? You never know. And you can't make the time right. Like LeBron, like LeBron, you know, playing in Miami, like he made the time right. You can't really just it, for other players. It's just like, is the time right? Do what I want and what the team is trying to do match. We'll see. Um, I'm so I'm not going to take that as him saying he wants to be here as him saying he is going to be here because I think anybody would just want to play for their hometown unless they hated it or military kid. Um, Josh Richardson would be interesting. I think that would be reasonable. Maybe he wants to win like right away. So maybe not. But as far as his skill set, as far as what he does, uh, defend, catch and shoot. I mean, um, I don't think he I think he would like it here. Uh, I, I mean, you gotta want someone a little older. So Josh Richardson, uh, Seth Curry falls into that. DSJ not quite the one that's not realistic that I look at, and people will say stuff, and that's okay. Is Russell Westbrook? I don't think he'll come here just because I think he wants to win. I mean, he literally was a one man wrecking crew for the Clippers. So I think teams, you know, that are winning, will see that and be like, oh, we'll take Russ. But we saw what he was able to do with that Wizards team a couple years ago. We saw what he was like, I just, just mentioned he, we saw what he was able to do with the Clippers, uh, you know, this season. I know that they, you know, lost to the Phoenix Suns, but he didn't make it easy and he was literally by himself. So. I think that he won. You won't finish it at the rim. He'll bring that a leadership on the court presence, all of that. Russell Westbrook brings that. So, I, I mean, I think I just don't see what he doesn't do that doesn't help the Hornets. I think everything he does will help the Hornets. He cannot shoot. That that is it. Uh, so I can see you want more shooting. But maybe you look for that in other ways. I, I personally with these lists, I don't know exactly how the cap works. You know, because, you know, it's not quite football levels the way you can manipulate it, but you can manipulate the cap. I'm not quite sure if the Hornets are able to get Russell Westbrook and somehow bring in a shooter unless they do some type of trade, which is a different conversation. But if you want the best scenario possible for what is available right here, I'm probably going to this junior Seth Curry. I'll even get Seth Curry a little more to make him come here because you still need that shooting. Even though you brought in Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr. I, I think you still need that shooting. Does that leave some people out? Yeah. But if you want to win this year, like the Hornets have been saying the last couple of years, you leave those guys out. James Book Knight still hasn't quite shown you that he's that guy. Um, Kelly Oubre will be gone. Terry Rozier, I think will be gone. I don't think he'll be gone by the time the season starts, but I think at some point they look at to really trade in Terry Rozier. I mean, that's it. I mean, you can't really add a wing necessarily just because of the fact that your wings are you're good. You got Bryce McCowan, Brandon Miller, uh, Gordon Hayward still, who I think, you know, can still, uh, you know, help this team out. Uh, 
Miles Bridges is more of a forward, but still, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, JD Thor, who I think is is showing significant upside, who's showing improvement. You just have a lot of guys in that kind of area, and so it's just like, do you really want to add more to that? Not really. You did take out Kelly Oubre, but like I said, in this scenario, you're bringing out Dennis Smith Jr., who's your immediate backup point guard, and then Seth Curry, who's like your bench three-point shooter, which I think every team needs some guy like that. I mean, I think it works, man. I think with those two specifically, if you get Russell Westbrook, I think you do have to make some type of trade for additional shooting just because his shooting is that bad. So unless, you know, the way he's able to attack the basket, I will like I, I, he's an excellent, excellent playmaker still. So maybe that opens up the three point line for a lot of people and they start hitting more. I mean, the mellow can, I think you can get Russell Westbrook and still have the mellow play next to him as opposed to the mellow playing Dennis Jr. is not as pre just because Dennis Smith Jr. doesn't do the off-ball stuff that we've seen that Russell Westbrook is able to do, especially later in his career. Uh, it, it's just very interesting. I know that it's not the prettiest pick, but I personally just like Russell Westbrook. I don't think he's going to come here unless we just offer him a significant amount of money, and at that point, I don't want to do that, but it's just something to think about. Overall, I'm landing on Dennis Smith Jr. and Seth Curry. Now, if they do some things to change the cap, like trade, sign and trade PJ or something or something along those lines, then we're having a different discussion, but based on what Bobby Marks has in the ESPN Plus article, I think the best bet is Seth Curry, Dennis Smith Jr. Maybe, even though it's restricted, so that makes it a little iffy, but maybe even kind of like test the waters with um, Cam Red and see what that's about. Matisse Thibault also, I mean, he he shot a little better, I think, once he got in Portland, but it's more like corner stuff. But, I mean, I think you're willing to take that for the defensive upside he's able to provide. So, it's very interesting. Free agency will be very interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that does it. Uh, I mean, this is a very... I, I'm just excited. I'm very excited. I think the Charlotte Hornets did a great job with their draft. I can't wait to see what we do in free agency. This is finally a free agency we can enjoy. We wasn't able to enjoy it last year. And I think the year before that, it was more focused on bringing people back. I, th- I mean, we got Kelly Oubre. Eh, it's whatever. But I'm very interested. I'm even interested to see where Kelly Oubre goes. I mean, the man average. If anyone should be doing a shine and trade, even though. I know he's not restricted, so I don't know if that's how it works. But Kelly Oubre, if I'm the Hornets, I'm not letting Kelly Oubre walk. One, I had a chance. I had a chance to trade him at the deadline and did it. Two, he what career high twenty points per game. Even though his efficiency wasn't great, he had twenty points per game last year. I'm getting something. I think they got to figure it out. But anyway, that does it. Thank you so much for listening. I almost said watching because I'm used to YouTube, but thank you so much for listening. I will definitely do an emergency pod if anything crazy happens. Other than that, you can expect to hear from me on Monday or Tuesday uh, of next week. I always try to like give it a day to let it breathe because you just never know with the NBA. So I always try to just kind of like not overhaul you with content, especially content that can I know that could be easily outdated. But until then, we'll see. I'll just, you know, playing as playing as normal. But thanks so much for listening. Once again, once again, follow me on Twitter and let me know, you know, what you think of the Charlotte Hornets draft and, you know, free agency preview. And that does it. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.